You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 121, Deftones. Hosted by Dan Terry. Trust me, guys, it'll be fine. Josh Baldridge. Which he doesn't do that often. And Joseph Wren. God help me, you've heard changes in the House of Flies. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you really want to be my passenger, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Josh. It's about time we talked about Deftones on this podcast. And I know the first question I'm going to get asked is why wasn't this in New Metal May? Deftones isn't a new metal band? Well, they have some new metal albums. According to who? It's just straight hypocrisy, man. Yes, they have new metal albums. We talked about a lot of bands in New Metal May that had some new metal albums and weren't Drowning Pool. So it's just hypocrisy, but we wanted to talk about Deftones, but we can only fit so many bands into one month, so you're going to get a Deftones discussion tonight, or, you know, whatever time you're listening to this. I imagine most people in the car on the way to work. In the morning? Yeah. Or maybe your night owl, I don't know. Well, I really hope that your drive to work isn't as long as these episodes. Yeah, no joke. That could, be pr- that could be pretty rough on some of our longer ones. Oof. It's like, do we really have to tell people about Deftones? I mean, who hasn't heard of Deftones? No, everybody knows Deftones, of course. I'm sure everybody's at least seen them. Sacramento, California? Mm-hmm. Mid-90s, pioneering in a style that a lot of people would refer to as new metal. Even Ish. though they themselves don't play new metal, and no one who tries to sound like Deftones really does sound like Deftones? Not like Chino, at least. Well, I, I will say that they definitely are new metal on the first two albums. I'm going to stick to that. That's that's a hill I'm going to die on. I'll, I'll fight that fight with anybody. Well, given the time period those albums came out, yeah. It is kind of interesting, though, because if we're just going to jump right in and talk about Adrenaline in 1995, you know, at that time, the new metal sound was pretty much established as the Korn album. Yeah, that's the that's the bar that was set for music industry in new metal. Which I think back when we talked about Korn, I described it as like, what, groove metal? Yeah. Which is largely what it was groove metal with a funky bass. I don't really think that Adrenaline sounds like the first Korn album, so there's a little bit of truth to what Joe's saying about how they really, if you're going to call it new metal, you have to at least admit that it doesn't follow the new metal formula that was established at that time, which there weren't a lot of bands playing anything really quite like this in the mid-90s. A few tried, especially on the underground scenes, but for the most part, there is no mainstream band that is able to duplicate the Deftones sound in any way that resembles what the Deftones are doing. For that reason, I've always stood by the idea that the only band that really sounds like Deftones is Deftones. You you get... I don't consider Deftones to have a lead guitarist. The band as a whole just creates this melodic groove. It's definitely not groove metal like Pantera, it's not new metal like Corn or Limp Biscuit. I always thought that Deftones were an underground band that for some reason was popular in the mainstream and nobody noticed. I think that they had similarities to some of the mainstream rock bands at the time, like Helmet. I get a little bit of a Helmet vibe off of the first Deftones album. It's not that pronounced, but in the guitar you can definitely hear it. You can have a dirty, muddy sound. Yeah, just like uh, like they're playing in a factory. Yes. Not a fear factory. But they're playing in a factory somewhere, you know, it's it's or a garage. It sounds like an underground band from the mid-90s, which is exactly what it was. I love and hate Adrenaline all at the same time. As a kid, I listened to this album like every day because I just couldn't get over how angry it was. It's like, I mean, I mean, if, you, if you've got this album and you've got Korn's album and you're listening to these back to back, you're one angry kid, man. You really are. And that's totally cool because this definitely set up an establishment and an attitude for those types of bands going forward. But listening to it in 2019, God, is it boring. 
Yeah, it is boring. It's Deftones with less production value. And I have heard, and we'll point it out right now, did you guys know that Chino's vocals are processed? What? No. Never. So when you take a band who kind of creates their own vibe and their own feel of this dissonant rhythm guitar playing mixed with these high-pitched, airy, underground-sounding vocals that don't really have a true melody most of the time, going from an album like White Pony or Saturday Night Wrist back to where it all started, this is Deftones when Chino wasn't playing guitar He was only doing vocals, but he was doing his vocals. So they were a slower version of what Corey Brandon does on Norma Jean 10 years later. I'm not saying that's bad, but what Chino does kind of benefited from some production. I agree because his vocals sound really dry on this album, and he's trying to sound like he sounds on the later albums. Not that he had that to compare him to, but like... He just doesn't sound good vocally. Like, like his cleans are just not really that great, and they sound really half-hearted. And I know that's like some kind of attempt to sound emotional, but it just doesn't really hit. His screams sound good. He sounds great screaming. I think Chino's a great screaming vocalist. And his singing is really exceptional, too, just not on this record. This record is very dry. It's very bare bones. And that's cool if that's what you're into. Like, back when it was all I had, it was the only Deftones album I had, I thought it was great. But now that I've heard way better from the same band, it's really hard to go back to this one and and listen to it and really appreciate it. And I know that there's lots of hardcore Deftones fans that are just like live and die by adrenaline, and I just don't understand it. It's like he's a vocalist that's still trying to find himself in this album. Totally. That's exactly what it is. But nostalgia maybe wouldn't let a lot of people admit that. Are there more fans of Adrenaline than Around the Fur? Because for my money, Around the Fur is the album everybody clings to, if not that White Pony. Well, let's jump into Around the Fur because... I think it's two separate kinds of fans. Well, before we talk about my own summer, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we love five-star reviews here in Discography Discussion, and the reason we love them is because they help us get recommended to other listeners of other podcasts. You see, everything is run by that recommendation algorithm now. So in order to get recognized or recommended to other people, like let's say you like uh, another podcast that does music discussion. I'm a huge fan of Roach Coach. Well, you're going to want to hear another podcast like that, right? Have you heard the Talk To Me podcast? Right. So if you're listening to those podcasts and you're not listening to ours, we want that algorithm to recommend you listen to our podcast. That's the only reason we ask for these reviews. It's not necessarily just for my self-esteem, although it does help at times. Let's keep talking about Deftones. 1997, Around the Fur. Mm. This is more like it. This is the album nobody shuts up about. This is more the Deftones you know and love as this one here. This is Deftones writing actual songs. So the biggest difference between this album and Adrenaline is that Adrenaline, the songs go on forever. And, you know, I'm ignoring the fact that this album ends with like a big 37-minute motherfucking track. But It was an atmospheric expression of emotion. 
Yeah, Limp Bizkit did it better at the end of $3 Bill. Stain did it better on Tormented. I don't want to talk about Stain. <laughs> Get out of here with that. I'm going to have to eventually, though, right? Well, with, Maybe. with Around the Fur, what you get is the same band that put out Adrenaline, but there's a hell of a lot more production put on Chino's vocals. Now his clean vocals actually hit because they do. He, he What he does seems to like to do on this album a lot is he likes to sing on the verses and scream on the choruses, which is kind of a cool subversion. A lot of bands do the exact opposite. I don't think there's anything really wrong with it, and I, I love how hard some of the songs hit because now they actually have a build-up to heaviness, whereas like on Adrenaline, he'll just like the song stops and then the guitar kicks and he just starts screaming fuck, 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 fuck over again. And it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense musically. And again, as a teenager, I didn't care about that. But like now you listen to an album like Around the Fur, like right after Adrenaline, and only then can you really appreciate how much of an improvement it actually is. And that's not to say that this album doesn't have chaotic moments. I mean, the song Lotion is just out of control. Um, the song Around the Fur is really heavy. My Own Summer is really heavy, but their biggest hit was the song uh, Be Quiet and Drive, which was probably the first Deftone song a lot of people heard. This is really different in that it doesn't really feature any of the super heaviness of Deftones. It's one of the very first times where it's like played straight, like it's just a, a smooth, melodic rock song. It's heavy, the riffs are heavy, but it's so smooth, and Chino's voice works on it in such a way that I don't really hear out of a lot of smooth rock bands. It's, it's almost dreamy sounding, if that's not a weird way to describe it. That is the overall tone that Deftones puts off, at least to my ears. I came into Deftones on White Pony. Digital Bath is my favorite Deftones song. I've never really understood how Deftones can play a riff for longer than you think they should, and then the song starts. But the riff doesn't change. They just keep going, and it becomes all about Chino's vocals. It's a very underground way of approaching this type of music, but this is not underground hard rock. This is a band that is popular, is in the mainstream, and Be Quiet and Drive Far Away is one of the reasons that is. You gotta feel bad for the person that bought this album off this single, though, because of how heavy the rest of the album is. In comparison, there's no other songs on the album like this. No, I think this song was written more so for radio play, more for the commercial ability for it. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of skyrocketed Deftones, at least. I, I want to say that, but the weird thing is, is I don't remember Deftones being massively popular until White Pony came out. But with this song, it definitely was a step in the right direction for them. I think this got them in the mix with other bands to do heavy touring, big, big ticket touring. And this is, this is super heavy. Chino's screams sound incredible. They're, they sound a lot fuller than they did on Adrenaline. He sounds legitimately angry. He probably was. And the lyrics, well, they're messed up. They were messed up on Adrenaline. They're really messed up on Around the Fur. And I don't think that Chino ever, has ever written normal person lyrics. They're almost not relatable in how obtuse they can be at times. And they're presented so slowly. I almost feel like that's part of the trick. Like... I'm going to say this sentence, but I'm going to say it for a really long time, and it's eventually just going to sneak past you. Yeah, I mean, especially with a song like, uh, especially with a song like Be Quiet and Drive, it, it, it's just really, it's so dreamy, and it's so, like, it hits you on a subconscious level that you're not really even paying attention to what he's saying. It's just the overall feeling, and it's a feeling I can only describe that's unique to Deftones, and I, I, I would describe it as melancholic euphoria. And that you feel kind of depressed. 
you feel kind of down, but you also feel really good at the same time. That's the Deftone sound. Are Deftone fans in 1997 the leftover Smashing Pumpkins fans? Yes. No. Josh, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Being a huge Pumpkins fan myself, I can totally see this group getting into Deftones <clears throat> just for the the vocal presentation from Chino. And like Dan said, I think the way I would describe some of the Pumpkins music is that the same way. It's a melancholy, but you're not super depressed, but happy at the same time. So I, I could I could definitely see people and fans of Pumpkins being into this band early on. Maybe not later on, but early on, yeah. Am I allowed to say the word melancholy without somebody bringing up melancholy and infinite sadness? I didn't bring my, up that album. I brought the Smashing Pumpkins. There. Right, but you guys went right to Pumpkins after that, like a fucking fly to shit. I'm talking about the overall feeling, the dream-like feeling that Deftones... No, I think, I think Pumpkins is way drier than this. I agree. I think this is a whole different level. Maybe, maybe there's some leftover Pumpkins fans that that are into Deftones, you know. And you know, I don't comment. Tell us if we're wrong about that. But I just don't see it. I think I think the fans of Deftones were the same guys that liked the Corn self-titled that 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 wanted that you know more smooth because like there was nothing smooth about Corn on their first two albums. Ooh, no, like no. not not at all. They were they were a little too much. Whereas Deftones kind of feeds it to you. They hand feed it to you a little bit. And they make it smooth. They make it digestible, even if it's only on a couple of songs. I mean, even on, on My Own Summer, it sounds so much more dynamic than anything Corn was putting out that year. So I think that this is a class all in its own. And uh, I, don't, I, I don't really see the Pumpkins comparison because I, I think Pumpkins is boring shit in comparison. Ouch. Again, I agree with you. But the Smashing Pumpkins presentation was always... An aggressive mindset presented gently. Deftones, most of the time, especially once we get into Around the Fur, they're giving you a heavy premise. Like you said, the vocals, the lyrics are just fucked up. But most of the time, they're being presented very gently, very slowly. Almost as if he's trying to give you an unpleasant message, but he's giving it to you in a way that you can understand and at least take it in. That might be true on later Deftones albums, but I'm talking about Around the First specifically, which is a far more razor edge type of delivery, you know, because you still, I mean, you've still got fucking Max Cavalera on a song that we're listening to right now, and it's just like so aggressive and so in your face that I feel like people that are fans of alternative rock and like pumpkins and stuff, like that's just gonna be way too fucking metal for them, you know? And uh, yeah, it might only just be one song, but I mean, you. You take songs like My Own Summer, Lotion, Around the Fur, you know, like these are heavy as fuck songs. And I don't think that, I don't think that alt-rock fans were necessarily going to be into that at the time. Now, I do think a little differently whenever we go into White Pony three years later. Smashing Pumpkins kids are like the emo kids. Emo kids wouldn't listen to Deftones. There were legitimate emo kids. Okay, no. (laughs) <laughs> Let me. It's the year 2000. It's a different, just different discussion. White for different Pony, time. and I'm starting it with the correct track, not the later revision. There's going to be no revisionist history on this episode of discography discussion. Well, we're going to talk about that here a little bit about what they did with Back to School. White Pony, and the version of it I had starts with this song as well. Uh, Felis, uh, I can't pronounce names like that. Um, Felicito or something. Felicitera, yeah. Yeah, I I can't. Sorry, Chino, it's nothing personal. I just can't, buddy. 
But uh, here's the thing. Uh, this song is smooth, and it puts us in a totally different mindset than we had had on Around the Fur. They have gone full Be Quiet and Drive on this album. So if you bought this album off of Be Quiet and Drive, you might be disappointed that that song's not on the album, but the rest of the songs are kind of more in line with that. They did give you change, though. Well, yeah, it features the most overplayed Deftone song ever recorded. <laughs> oh, that's you no could say the, the most lie. overplayed metal song. It's not even a metal song. It's no, a slow fucking dirge. Like, yep. I, I can't stand that song anymore. Like, I liked it when I first heard it because it sounded a, creepy and Deftonesy or whatever. But like, dirge. now when I hear it, I'm just like, fuck. What is this song going to be over? I'm only playing it because we're talking about Deftones. I've mentioned it before. Changes is a song I don't ever have to hear again. Like, I get it, Chino. You watched me change into a fly, and you looked away because I am a fly. Like, I, it's... Oh, my God. Like, this song, just, it's too much, and I just want to kind of ignore it going forward. But, yes, this is the album that has Change in the House of Flies on it. And, honestly, that's the reason why Deftones was as big as they were off of that single. That song was on every horror, suspense, movie, soundtrack. Most notably, the Queen of the Dam soundtrack, where it was featured in the actual film. If you ever want to see vampires kind of have sex in a, you know, in a bathtub, then, you know, changing the House of Flies is your thing. I'm all about digital bath. I know we were watching. Uh, that would have been a much more appropriate song. Uh, <laughs> no, that would be the Matrix soundtrack. I would have. Uh, I was actually watching the video for this song recently uh, with my wife, and she was just like, so yeah, I don't know if you've watched the video for this song, but it's got... Like Chino's is there, but they're a party and like people are on drugs and shit, and it's like really weird. My wife's just like that guy looks like he's there to creep on every single girl that's there, and I was like, oh, well, all he's got to do is sing to him a little bit. It's you know, the Chino like, vibe. It'll work, and uh, it's it's so funny because like yeah, it is creepy. It's a creepy song, but it's so overdone. Like I think it's a it, it's a great song, but I've heard it so many times now that I just can't listen to it and enjoy it. Now it's just like oh my god, like. It's a skip almost every time it comes up on a shuffle. Everybody has that one song, and I think this is one of those songs. But let's get into let's get into the rest of the album, which is far better than just that song. Uh, the first track is awesome. It's super smooth. Um, I think the heaviest song on the album is Elite, which is just him screaming, when you're raw, you bleed out of control. Uh, and uh, that's... Uh, that song kind of stands out a little bit. It almost sounds like a B-side from Around the Fur, but like they just could not have fit any more minutes on that album. Like the CD, they would have run out of space on the CD. Uh, so you get a song like uh, like Elite, and it doesn't really hit that hard. I mean, it hits really hard, but it doesn't hit like the rest of the album does. And then, of course, you have Digital Bath, uh, which is another slower dirge-type song, but done a lot better. It sounds better. It's terrifying every time I listen to it. Like, it's about him drowning a chick in a shower, right? If you say so. Or, yeah. like, uh, If that's what you get out of it, sure. Sometimes I'm like, it's about drowning a chick in a shower, or it's, like, she's in the bathtub, and then he just, like, throws, like, an electronic device in there with it. I don't... A toaster. He says as the cord breaks away, like, I don't know, I feel like... Either way, it's messed a, up. Through threw a fucking toaster <laughs> in a bathtub. It's not passenger messed up, though, which is about Chino and Maynard James Keenan having sex in the back of a car. Yeah, that was really interesting uh, to me because, you know, 
smooth vocalist, smooth vocalist. I mean, why wouldn't they hook up in a car, right? Exactly. I mean, I, there's nothing really too strange about it, right? It's definitely a weird song. I, I don't really know how else to put it, but it is super smooth. We didn't and, talk about Korea yet. Oh, uh, Korea is great because uh, it's one of the heavier songs. It sounds similar to Deftones on Around the Fur, on Around the Fur, but it is heavily soaked in this kind of digital electronic feeling that this album has. Like, I feel like this album always sounds new. Like, I don't feel like it sounds dated like Around the Fur and Adrenaline did. Those sound very distinctly like 90s albums. Which is probably why people like this album so much, because it stands up in time. Yeah, like, I feel like a band could put this album out today and it would still be considered, you know, new. I get the same feeling out of all the Rage Against the Machines albums. Oh, I don't. Those sound 90s as fuck. <laughs> Rage. Tell me how Pink Maggot became Back to School Mini Maggot and eventually became the first track of the album White Pony, which was re-released with a white cover. Because the record label or the band didn't have enough faith in White Pony as an album to keep old-school Deftone fans happy. They thought that we were stupid or that we couldn't handle a Deftones that didn't sound like Around the Fur. So they recorded a very old-school-sounding Deftones-y song that they used some of the ideas from Pink Maggot and they made it into a full-on like new metal song and threw it at the beginning of the album, I guess, because they thought that that would keep us stupid fans on board. It worked. It's okay. I mean, I, I think it's a cool song, but I don't think it's. I think it stands out on the album. Eh. It really doesn't. It doesn't work as the opening track. Like the, the it kind of blows the atmosphere for me. They had to cut it down just to make it the opening track. Well, yeah. So like on the vinyl that I have, uh, it starts with the normal, uh, the normal track one. It doesn't have Mini Maggot on it at all. But it was almost like I think they felt like White Pony didn't have a good enough single. <clears throat> Change in the House of Flies, Digital Bath, uh, Coria. There are tons of fucking great songs on this album. Elite. Elite. Yeah, like they could have released any of those and it would have been fine. But for some reason, they felt that they needed to record another song that sounded more like old school Deftones to keep us fans satiated. I actually like the album a lot without it, but I don't hate it either. Like if I'm listening to a Deftones playlist and I hear Back to School Mini Maggot, it's fine. It should have been a hidden track on that album. Well, I think the problem with that, though, is the album ends with Pink Maggot, and it has the chorus from Back to School on it. So it's kind of weird that it would be that way. And I always thought that was weird anyway. I was like, okay, so you guys just took a different approach to a song that you had already. And uh, I think I think Mini Maggot, I'm sorry, I think Pink Maggot on its own is actually way more disturbing than... Than Back uh, to School? Than Back to School, <laughs> yeah, because it just sounds like an angry kid in school. Like, I don't know. It's Well, isn't that why it's called Mini Maggot? It's just Pink Maggot cut down and presented as back to school. I think somebody heard the chorus and said, you know, guys, I've listened to your record and I'm not really sure what you're going for in here. S somebody somewhere said, I don't hear a single. And we got a cherry pie situation where he said, hey, guys, that hook right there, that back to school, that should be your opening track. That should be the single that sells this album. I'm like, but it's out already. It's well, we can re-release it. We can just put this on the front. We'll change the cover so it'll be like a special edition. And people will respond better to that. And I'm sitting here like Dan is asking the question, what song is bigger than Changes for Deftones? Commercially, there isn't one. No, not really. And even because, I mean, even Back to School didn't perform as well as that song did. No. And I, I think that the chorus is more effective and far creepier on Pink Maggot than it is on Mini Maggot. Because, like, he's like, on Mini Maggot, he's like, and now that you need her, but you don't, so there you go. Whereas on, on Pink Maggot, he's like, now that you need her, 
in the throat. So there you go. Like, it's way creepier. And, like, I feel like way more Chino than what we got with Mini Maggot. So, I mean, that's really all I have to say about it. It's just, I think it's a case of either the band or the record label. And I think it depends on who you ask and what year. Record label. But, you know, they just decided that they didn't feel like this album was strong enough for, for new metal fans or hard rock fans that they had to have a song like that where they're like, yeah, you have that smooth chorus and the screaming. That's what people want out of Deftones. But I think people really just wanted more Be Quiet and Drive than than that. So you kind of get that with Digital Bath. You get that with Change in the House of Flies. Um, you get really creepy songs like Knife Party, which I don't even know what to say about that song. <laughs> um, it still gives me fucking nightmares when I listen to it. We just won't discuss that one. Yeah. And uh, oh, my God. Yeah. And Joe's playing it now. Yeah, so we you know, we're not going to be able to sleep tonight. <clears throat> so, yeah, if you want to chat with me on Discord tonight, let me know. I'll be up. This album was obviously massive for Deftones. If you hadn't heard Be Quiet and Drive before that, you've heard fucking Digital Bat. You've heard Changes in the House of Flies. God help me, you've heard Changes in the House of Flies. You've probably heard Back to School. You've heard all of these songs. It's a monumental album, but this was their biggest shift away from new metal, too, because... There's not a whole lot of new metal on White Pony, especially if you remove Back to School. And I think that's okay. So what would you guys consider them at this point? Would this be just hard rock, heavy rock, like what? They're I, just a rock band. Yeah, it's kind of just like dreamy rock. I mean, it's it's a little creepy. It's a little off kilter, but I don't really hear it as new metal uh, on this album. And even on the next one, the Deftone self-title, which came out three years later. 2003. I like this album. This is my favorite Deftones album because it is, it's that whole euphoric melancholy or melancholic euphoria, I think I called it earlier. You're going to trademark that. Probably should. Put that on a shirt. This is a perfected idea of that because you have the production quality of White Pony. But the song is like, I want to scream more. But it's not like it was on Adrenaline where it was like, yeah, lots of screaming and some singing and a bunch of riffs or whatever. This is like they compose songs. It's more it's more akin to Around the Fur with much better production quality. And it is by far the heaviest Deftones album. Yep. Uh, they've got songs on there like uh, Needles and Pins is probably my favorite. Or sorry, Pins and Needles is like one of my favorite songs by them. You had it right the first time. Just because, I, just because of how sonically crazy it is where he's just like screaming over it and you just have these like dreamy melodic riffs playing behind it, but they're still heavy. Uh, that song just really hits me on an emotional level. Um, Good Morning Beautiful is amazing. Battle Axe is amazing. Hexagram. Hexagram is when crazy. When Girls Telephone Boys. Uh, the, yeah, the oh, only my God. So- that's a great th- one. That song is so <laughs> fucking heavy, oh, dude. Man. Like, you don't even expect it. Like, the breakdown on that is just, like, incredible. And, like, you don't really – you really hadn't heard anything quite like that from Deftones before. Like, they had somehow gotten heavier through being smoother. I, I don't really know how to describe it, but uh, he, like, Chino's just all over this fucking thing like a demon. His vocal delivery gets almost inhuman in places. The only song that I really don't like on it is Minerva, which is a slow dirge type of song. And it's like almost like they're trying to get the single play of uh, White Pony back. They're trying to get that change in the House of Flies or the, the digital bath or whatever. But it just doesn't really hit with me on uh, on my Nerva. It just doesn't sound smooth like some of their other singles had sounded, and it just kind of drags for me. It's a skip. See, I think Lucky You is the changes in the House of Flies for this record. Yeah, but Lucky You is cool. Like, it, it has kind of a, yeah, but it's actually a good song, Joe, so fuck everyone else. So is Changes, but I'm done with it. Well, Lucky You didn't get released as a single, I don't believe. No. 
I think it was just Minerva and maybe Hexagram off of this album, depending on the radio station. So like your your hard rock alternative is going to play Hexagram, and your 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 more pop rock stations are going to play Minerva. Minerva is like a song on this album that just stick. It doesn't belong in this album. It definitely sticks out. It doesn't have yeah. the same atmosphere as the rest of the album. But I think overall. This is another creepy, heavy, dreamy Deftones album, and I, I kind of feel like they did it the best here. Like, it's a little bit of a step back as far as songwriting approach goes. I think the songwriting was a little bit more bold on White Pony, where they're trying out a lot of new things, whereas I think the Deftones self-titled is kind of more of a safe album for Deftones. But I don't care. I'm a meathead, so I like how fucking heavy it is. That's just, I mean, that's the end. I could go on and on for like an hour about the, all the intricacies of the songs, but like... I don't care. This album's just fucking heavy. It's Deftones. It has everything I liked about White Pony and Around the Fur wrapped into one album. 2006, Saturday Night Wrist. I like this one, too. This might be my favorite album. Yeah, you just have to grow up in the pre-DSL age to understand what a Saturday Night Wrist feels like. True. There's a hole in the earth. So you know how I said that they wanted to be heavier and safer on the Deftones self-titled? On this album, they're trying to do what they did on White Pony again, but they're making it smooth, smooth, smooth. We have to smooth it out. But this time, we're going to throw a couple of really fucking heavy songs in there in order to keep dumb shits like me happy. And it largely it succeeds. Uh, Chino sounds completely out of control. Um, there's a song called Rapture on this album that is just fucking heavy as shit and sounds like old school Deftones. And then there's another song called Rats, 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 which is the same thing. It's just super, super aggressive and in your face and Chino screams so high-pitched I think his throat's gonna just explode at some point and it's really cool but I actually really like the rest of it more I like the more chill Deftones that we get on the rest of it um, you have Maine with uh, with Surge. Surge from System of a Down on it and that song is just smooth as ice it's the yep. closest I think they have to another Be Quiet and Drive yep don't forget the Konami code. Yeah, they, mm. there's a Konami code. <laughs> yeah, just in case, you the, know. The old instrumental. Anybody like. in 2006, you know, needs to remember. Uh, Pink Cell Phone is weird. Combat. Uh, combat, yeah. Like, th this is a great album, but again, I almost feel like it's it's kind of still, like, they're not really moving forward with their sound. Keep it status quo. And I'm going to say that probably on the next album, too, so spoilers. Uh, but this this album, it, like Saturday Night Wrist, I spent a lot of time listening to because I liked how kind of spacey and atmospheric it sounded. They did that stuff really, really, really well. But I feel like the parts where they fail is wherever they kind of were like, well, people still want to hear us scream and they still want to hear those heavy riffs. There's still some people that are still on from Adrenaline. Hey, like, there's this guy called Dan. He listens to a lot of Zayo. I think he'd like our record better if we scream more. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. If they read all the all the creepy fan letters I sent them, yeah, sure. But uh, I think that with I think with Saturday Night Wrist, what you have is just them being like, you know, maybe we went a little too hard on the self-titled, so we're gonna kind of back it up a little bit and put out an album that basically sounds more like White Pony, but it does actually sound a little bit more positive. Like there's a little bit more of a positive vibe to Saturday Night Wrist. I don't know if that's intentional, but it's just like they're like, yeah, we're gonna try not to just do all minor chords this time. We're going to try to play some stuff that's like truly competent, you know, like so, some really just just a little bit more out of the box, but they don't fully commit to it. So then, you know, you have to throw a song like Rats, Rats, Rats right after it. Are we ready for Diamond Eyes? I was born ready for Diamond Eyes. 2010. What a weird cover, too. Well, it's a, it's an owl. It's just weird. But owls are cool. Eh, eh. Who doesn't think an owl's cool? Oh, jeez. I thought this was just a way to get David Bowie on the cover. It's weird that they went as hard as they did on this album. 
all things considered, you see a snow owl on the cover, and you think, okay, all that experimentation is going to pay off. Because, like, at this point, I listen to way heavier music than Deftones, so, like, I don't really... They don't have to be super heavy to satiate my fandom of that band. Like, it's okay that they go off in a more experimental direction. With Diamond Eyes, you have a very heavy album musically with some screaming. They keep it super heavy, but they definitely try to add that experimentation in there again. It's almost like a, they're trying again with the Saturday Night Wrist sound, but they're going further out in that melodic, almost jam band territory, you know, where they're, you know, trying a whole lot of different ideas and they're just making the songs longer to accommodate. I can't really add to what you just said because this record to me just sounds like Deftones slower with 2010 production. Wait until Gore. I'm seeing a trend with these albums for them in the middle, though. They'll just kind of a little bit different from the previous one, but not too much different. Deftones for me is like, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. Dan's over here adjusting himself. They're easy. <laughs> They're easing us into something. Yes, that makes sense. We don't know what that something is just yet, but we're going to find out in another album. Diamond Eyes is a perfectly serviceable record. I loved it when it came out. I thought it was the best Deftones record. I still preferred the self-titled, but this was like, I was like, okay, musically, they're really stepping it up here. It almost goes into just kind of like this like dream rock territory. Uh, I used to call it like shoegaze, where it was like heavy, but like, um, but just very melodic, very, very in the pocket. And they, they don't mind like hitting you over the head a few times on this album. But it's not like super, super chugga, 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 chugga heavy. It's just really, really heavy riffs, like almost like what Black Sabbath was doing in the 70s. But it has that like modern Deftones production to it. I like that comparison. It was tuned down just a little bit too far. Makes it sound kind of stringy, just stuck together with tape, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and largely it succeeds. The album does tend to drag a little bit towards the end. They, they kind of stop putting out really quick ones. I mean, they never had like super short albums, but if you like cut all the fat out of them, you might get like a 35, 36 minute album. These, these are very long listens. You have to almost listen to them a couple of times because you're going to kind of lose track a little bit. Yeah, I had to. So does anybody want to take a stab at pronouncing the next album's name? Koi no Yokan. Okay, That's sounds, actually what I was going to guess, actually. <laughs> sounds good. I'm not even going to try. We'll just call it the Koi album. This is the record that sounds the most like classic Deftones to me. And yet, it doesn't sound anything like Adrenaline. And Chino is singing more melodic. We've got a little choir thing going on in the background in some places. Somebody was listening to John Davis and thought, that was a good idea 10 years ago. I'm going to try that now. Get the Chino choir. I don't know which one I like better. I prefer the Chino choir. Chino doesn't whine as much as John Davis whines. John can from time to time on his own backups. I think this sounds a lot like old school Deftones, but it sounds more like old school Deftones on Saturday Night Wrist, right? Because that was six years ago, right? So, like, you can't really compare it to an album that came out in 97 or even 2000. Because it's a different time and a different sound. They're doing old school within their own catalog. So old school typically means three to four albums back. So I feel like we're somewhere between we're somewhere between Deftones, Self-Titled, and Saturday Night Wrist, but like with way poppier vocals. I can't complain about it too much. It, it's a record that exists. I think the problem is is that you start, you know, especially with what we do and listening to them, it starts becoming kind of a slog at this point. Yeah, that's how it is for me. It can be hard to get through, and if you're listening to these albums sequentially, as they come out, you're going to have a greater appreciation because you're going to have two or three years to listen to it before you get to the next one. I think this album's probably really great, and I, I did enjoy my listen through because I enjoyed the atmospheric 
side of it because they start kind of tapping into that post-rock, post-metal kind of sound that was popularized by bands like Isis and, um, you know, like like Pelican and stuff like that. But it's got Chino's vocals but on it. It's got it. Chino's vocals on it. <laughs> and so it, sound, it, it adds that kind of dreamy atmosphere to it. And I kind of enjoy the dreamy Chino over the over the the aggressive Chino because the aggressive Chino is great, but you know there's other bands I listen to for like super aggressive vocals. So if Deftones you know is able to satisfy me doing this, I'm okay with that. Does he entertain you? Oh yeah, I'm very entertained. This is where I go all super music reviewer nerd. Go for it, because like I said, this is uh, to me at this point these records all sound similar. So does Deftones as a whole? deliver a consistent product to their fan up to this point yeah yeah i'd agree with that yeah i don't think they fucked up majorly at any point no i mean they have a pretty simple formula and they pretty much stayed through through their whole career up to this point i feel like if it was a different band though we would be complaining about the fact that deftones didn't change we would be complaining that they play slower songs in the same style but it's deftones so we're not complaining at all we're getting the newest Deftones album that gives us that slow, melodic, Chino-driven vocals with this low, trudging guitar. That is what the Deftones fan wants. That's what you get. Well, it's because they're, they're good at it. They sound good at doing it, so there's, there's not going to be much of a complaint from their fan base. And they have their own sound. Yeah. They may be the only modern band that truly has their own sound. They're unique in that sense. I've been talking this entire episode about how they were leading up to something. They were preparing us for something. Gore is what they were preparing us for. Even back on Saturday Night Wrist, they wanted to make this album. But you can't just make this album right after White Pony. You certainly can't make it right after the Deftones self-titled. You have to ease your fans into it. So every album since Saturday Night Wrist, which is two albums, if you want to count Saturday Night Wrist, it's three, where they're adding those spacier atmospheric elements one by one, layer by layer, but still mixing in enough regular sounding Deftone shit for you to be okay with it. Gore sounds like a post-metal band, and a lot of those bands don't even have vocals. So that's what makes this one stand out is that it actually has vocals. It's a journey. From beginning to end, it is a double vinyl album type of affair. And you have to sit down and listen to all of it, even though it's a huge time investment, and I apologize. This is an album I don't really even care about the lyrics. All I care about is the way the album makes me feel. To me, this is kind of their their magnum opus. If they didn't put anything else out after this, I'd be fine with it. This is what Deftones has been building towards the whole time? I think when Chino was a kid... He was listening to really smooth stuff like this and was like, this is what I want to do. But unfortunately, he'd already put on adrenaline, so he had to kind of live up to that for the next eight albums. Is this Satellite Years or Arbiter? This is up there with Satellite Years for me. And I was surprised because I really hadn't listened to very much of this before we did the episode. I had kind of fallen off with Deftones. The last album I heard was Diamond Eyes, so I kind of had to catch up. And so I was very surprised with what I ended up finding. I love this sound out of Deftones, and I know some people can accuse it of being very meandering and just sounding like a jam band or whatever, but like I think everything on this is very intentional. I've listened to this album three times, once this week for the show, and every time I get through it, I tell myself, this is an album I'm going to listen to on Saturday night in front of the stereo with nothing else to occupy my attention. I don't think I have consumed gore the way it was designed to be consumed. That's so brutal. This might be a Jeff album 
I want to take the whole thing in. This may be the ultimate album listen for Deftones. Um, maybe. I mean... So, Josh, what did you think about Gore you by not Deftones? It? I, I don't. I didn't. It's not for me. Like, I get what you guys are saying. It is a weird sound, and maybe if I could sit down with no distractions and just a good drink and just close my eyes and listen. Musically, I think musically I would like it. I just think for me being... Going from from fur or ponies, that Deftone... And then listening to something like this, it just throws me off, and it's not—it's just not my jam. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I could listen to it another time. It's—it's it's just too out there and too slow, and it's yeah, I don't. It just you know, it's not my cup of tea, but it doesn't mean it's bad. I think there's still some really heavy moments on this album, and that's what I like is it builds up to them. It's a slow burn for sure. I understand that not everybody's gonna like it, but they're wrong. You should listen to it and like it. Well, you're wrong for thinking we're wrong. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Guess we'll just have to let the people on the Facebooks decide. This usually doesn't go in my favor. <laughs> the Googles let us know. Final thoughts on Deftones. Josh. Um, I listen, first listen to Deftones from around the fur. So from fur up to probably self-titled. That's my bread and butter is that, that era. I liked Deftones. I don't listen to them all the time, but if it comes on, I'm not going to skip it. Some of the newer stuff after they're self-titled for me is just it's kind of the same up until this album it's meh deftones for me is a i can listen i can take it or leave it kind of thing and it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad thing but yeah i don't i don't know it's meh that's a meh band for me i like about two or three albums from here and then that's about as good as it gets in the discography for me i think deftones is the most unique band in the pop music area of hard rock i think they fooled the public into thinking they are something that they very much are not i think they are an underground band that has snuck their way into the mainstream and made a lot of money and gained a lot of fans playing a style that most people would not enjoy for whatever reason if your band's name was hopes fall because there are people, unfortunately, that don't like Hope's Fall, and I don't hang out with those people. Dan, what about you? I agree. I think Deftones is very unique. They're one of the only bands that has their own sound. So many other bands are derivative of others. And who knows, there might be 500 bands that are underground that sound just like Deftones or do what they're doing better than they do. But Deftones was the first one that I heard. So if I hear something that sounds like it, I'm going to compare it to Deftones. That's just human nature. But I think that you're going to find something you like. If you're a fan of heavy music, they've got you covered. If you're a fan of atmospheric music, they've got you covered. If you're a fan of of just like dreamy, shoegazy music, they've got you covered. There's so many different influences in the Deftones sound, but it is still very unique to them. So I think that they have done a hell of a discography. And I'm kind of excited to see what they do next, but I don't know if it's going to live up to gore for me. What's your album of the week? Oh, my album of the week? Well, I've been listening to a lot of jam bands, so I'm going to go probably with Isis in the absence of truth. Josh, what about you? Going back old school for New Metal May as it closed out. My album is Tonight the Stars Revolt from Power Man 5000. Man after my own heart. For me, we're talking about Deftones. It's White Pony. Every day you listen to Deftones, you should be listening to White Pony. 
Have you ever been listening to this podcast and wondered why we haven't talked about your favorite band yet? Maybe we don't know that they're your favorite band, so you should tell us. There's a lot of different ways you can tell us. You can tell us via email at danandjoeshowgmail.com. You can tell us about it on Facebook, on facebook.com slash discography discussion. There you can also join the discography discussion official Facebook group. Just send a request to join and we will approve you. You can also join us on Discord. We have our own Discord server. There's going to be a link in the show notes that'll invite you to our Discord server. We're pretty much on that thing 24-7, so if you have a question and you want it answered in semi-real time, definitely hit us up on there. You can hit us up on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan or DiscussMetalJoe. You can also just uh, tweet to the actual podcast at DiscussMetal. So there's a variety of different ways you can get those band requests in, or if you just want to drop by and say hi, we are receptive to that. And on that note, this has been episode 121 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Walks by our side